Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. It's time for TSM Press Box. Opinions, analysis, and the occasional awkward silence. Here's your host, Jonah Siegel. Very thrilled to have with us this morning a special guest from Toronto. Uh, you may have heard on Friday, the Globe and Mail broke a story that uh, Rogers and Brookfield is deep into discussions on replacing uh, the Rogers Center, formerly Skydome. And I thought there was no better person to talk to about that uh, than Paul Godfrey, who is currently the executive chairman of Post Media. Paul, good morning. How are you? Terrific. Nice to speak to you. Nice to see you again. Likewise. So uh, let's pay a bill here quickly. The NFL season is in full swing. Unbelievable slate of games yesterday. Uh, Not a lot of fans at those games, but you can still bet on those games if you like. From game spreads, totals, a team player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Watched the fight the other night. Tons of money being wagered on that fight, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Uh, Paul, you may remember when we were both much younger. Two geezers at Caesars. Well, this was something very similar. Uh, head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag, and you can sign up today. Paul, it's really interesting that we're talking today because it dawns on me that in the spring of uh, 19, sorry, the fall of 89 or the spring of 89, I was in high school in Toronto and my teacher had given us an assignment to do a video essay for class. And I was fortunate enough to reach out to you then, you may not recall, maybe you will. Uh, that I was going to do a project on the building and impact of a new dome stadium in Toronto and was fortunate enough to have you give me a tour of the new building. Uh, We went down there on a Sunday. It was probably three quarters done. It was actually raining and they were testing the roof while we were there. And it truly was then uh, state of the art. You remember going back there back then? I, I remember taking a number of people. I had a lot of people, including yourself, reach out to me. And um, this was one of my pet projects to uh, get involved in building a new stadium. I had promised uh, when the Toronto Blue Jays were awarded the team in 1977, and uh, they weren't, the Major League Baseball was not impressed with the stadium that we were playing at an exhibition place, which was uh, used to be a number of things. It was a track and field uh, uh, stadium. It was uh, a stock car uh, racing track in there. And they said we could play in there for a while, but I had to make a commitment to build something new. And uh, the then Skydome, now the Rogers Center, was the one that was built. And the fact is, it was really the first big building that had a retractable roof. 
that uh, that really worked. Now a lot of there's a lot of critics of it today. Now that it's 31 years later um, uh, since since it opened, uh, but it was probably 37 or 38 years old um, years ago uh, that we uh, planned it uh, after much political debate. Uh, much screaming by non-sport fans, why you're spending public money on this. Uh, but we plowed ahead and uh, it was built and uh, it housed two uh, World Series. And uh, now it seems to be uh, at least some stories. I'm not sure they're, they're, they're going to be factual stories at this point in time about a new stadium in Toronto. So, so let, let's pit pause because we're going to get to the... Your- very interesting concluding statement because I happen to agree. But so, as I understand it, in 1983, Bill Davis announced a three person committee to look into the feasibility of a new stadium. And uh, that was yourself, the late Larry Grossman, and Hugh McCauley. And I'll, and I'll say that again 1983. Right. Um, fast forward, and in 1984, Five, it, I think you guys decided that it wouldn't work down there. And it took, as I said, till 1989. Um, so that's a long time, right? Um, I think my, you know, lots of people are dumping on the dome. Uh, sorry, I still call it the dome. Um, Rogers Center. I get it. Listen, I, I live in Seattle. We are blessed with, I think, if not the best, certainly one of the top three stadiums in baseball. And I get For it. Sure. I absolutely get it. Having said that, at the time, it 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 suited its purpose. You know, inclement weather. The, the Jays were on the verge, so it had to be big. It was state of the art at the time. Um, it it suited its purpose. And, and you know, does it need updating? Yes. Do we need something with grass? Yes. Is smaller than new bigger? Yeah, it is. Because right around that same time, all those new stadiums opened. And they weren't 50,000, they were, you know, 35 to 42. Um, no, no, that's all correct. Everything you say, uh, uh, Jonah, is absolutely correct on that. It was the state of the art at the time when it was finished in 1989. And everybody hailed it. Uh, the world watched to see if the roof would really open. And it has, and it's open consistently. It, it's housed, as I said, two World Series, which probably would have been difficult to play in October weather in Toronto. And the, the all-star game was brought to, to Toronto. And there have been many concerts and many other major events that have been held in there that uh, they couldn't have done it in winter, winter months in, in, in the past with an open-air stadium. So, but now the mood has changed. Uh, uh, you mentioned it, uh, Camden Yards, uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates Stadium are all much smaller stadiums. And if you were going to start today, you'd build much smaller stadiums. But you know what? You've got to be still uh, cognizant of the fact that uh, uh, Toronto's weather is, uh, is only good in, in a few months. And uh, that this, this uh, facility is attracted millions of people to Toronto when to first see it. It's been copied in, in, in many places around the world, uh, but people are now demanding smaller stadiums, natural grass, and open air. And I'm telling you, the open air, if you, if you do not have a good team in Toronto, uh, which is questionable uh, the last few years, if you do not have a good team, and it's stormy weather, 
you're going to lose games because you won't be able to play them or the fans won't come. Now, it's, it's, fans are attracted to good teams, never mind uh, whether it's indoors or outdoors. You got to keep that in mind. Thank goodness Rogers has been a great corporate citizen. They look, Ted Rogers bought the team when nobody else would buy the team from Labats when Labats were bought by a foreign uh, ownership. Um, Rogers uh, has uh, redone the stadium internally uh, to a great degree, spent millions of dollars on it. Um, they've um, been less successful on the field but they have tried to do their very, very best. And uh, I take my hat off to them. I'm not sure that this thing that they're talking about now, although I heard about it probably a year ago, I was told certain things off the record and I was not going to, uh, even though I'm in the newspaper business, break a confidence. Um, but uh, they were looking at things, didn't mean that they were gonna proceed with things. The land in that area is very valuable, although the land is owned by uh, three levels of government, all different people. So I get that uh, the land that the dome sits is leased. So Rogers has a lease there apparently for 80 something years left on a hundred year lease or something. So it's not really theirs to do with as they please to be anyway. So the question, um, that, that to me means one thing, Paul, that the minute politicians of any level, let alone three, get involved, that screams to me of delay uh, and time. You, you were originally asked to, to form a committee in 83 and the dome didn't open until 89. That's actually pretty quick. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people would have their hands out for a whole host of different reasons should this thing actually get to a point where they're seeking permission? Well, look, there's no doubt about that. These things, it's not like a light switch. You throw it on and suddenly you've got a plan to go, to go forward. Um, this is a very major undertaking. Uh, Rogers, I believe, are probably doing it because they see the value of the land in the area. And once that sort of comes out, what really happens is that... Um, they can buy the lease out and try and buy the land, uh, and which is a very costly thing by itself. They then no doubt have got to build something before they tear something down. Otherwise, the Blue Jays just don't have another place to play unless they go to Buffalo on a full-time full basis for probably two or three years. And I don't think that's conducive to uh, what the uh, people of Toronto want. Well, but I, I do I'm told, just, just to interrupt for one second, I'm told by senior enough people, reliable enough people at Major League Baseball, they wouldn't give the Blue Jays the opportunity. They wouldn't accept them being elsewhere for two to three years. Yeah, you know what? And I, I totally understand that. And that's, uh, that's something that uh, uh, after missing a, a complete year here, they're probably going to uh, uh, want, the fans are going to want, otherwise your fan base is going to erode on them very, very quickly. It's always nice uh, to have the Buffalo Bills playing in Toronto, but they weren't the Toronto team. And consequently, the crowds didn't come out in the numbers that uh, they originally had hoped. So, look, we've gone a long way of, of doing it. And the people at Rogers running the show there are very, very smart people. They're very capable people. Ted Rogers himself is one of the most brilliant people I knew. Um, and I got to tell you that... Um, 
uh, they will make a decision based on what is workable. And I think there are a lot of parts there that may not be workable at this point in time. If you say, look, we're going to plan for seven or eight years up the road, we're going to try and assemble this, we've got to build a second stadium before the first stadium disappears. And it's not like the stadium is falling apart. Uh, and every stadium, every uh, home that you have needs constant uh, repair and replacement, um, but the stadium is not falling down. And the stadium is still a draw, no matter what anybody says. Well, this, the stadium becomes secondhand if they're winning, right? If they're winning, nobody's com the, the complaints about the stadium don't really exist. I mean, to my point, and I'm curious whether you agree or disagree, the, the notion of them knocking down the dome, Rogers Center, and moving somewhere else for X number of years while they fix the, uh, while they remove it and then erect something new is, is pipe dream slash hogwash. I, I just don't see that happening. Now, are they that, gonna- that, That's right, that won't happen. Could they build a stadium um, to the south of where the location is because there's a, a big um, a bus parking uh, area. They probably could, with a little imagination, do something, but uh, that's an expensive uh, chore to do. Um, I think there's a, there may be a bigger uh, plan in their minds, but these plans just to get a rezoning for a single apartment building sometimes takes two or three years to get through the process. Something this big is going to take a lot longer uh, to do. So unless they go to another location uh, somewhere else and uh, build something different and uh, there's no taxpayer money involved because uh, you have to remember when the, um, uh, the Sky Dome was originally built, it was built by three levels of government putting in approximately $30 million either in cash or in value and uh, then required um, about $90 million of, uh, of other money coming in uh, and still wasn't enough to finish the stadium where the government of Ontario had to put more money in at the end. So part of the challenge that I have with the whole notion, and I'm going to put you on the spot, is that while fans may not love him, Ted Rogers was, if nothing else, a visionary and a builder. And there are others who've been in and around Toronto who've, who've been successful over the years in doing it. Are there enough at the federal, provincial, city, and then business level capable of pulling off something like this today? Well, I think it was a two-part question. You made the statement that Ted Rogers was a visionary. Ted Rogers was absolutely one of the great visionaries of, uh, of, of, this, of uh, the, this era and the previous era. Uh, he was smart. He was not a sports fan. In fact, he knew very little about baseball, but he was smart enough to know that it was good for the city and uh, that this will be part of his legacy, the fact that um, the building is named after him, even though he had nothing to do with the building, because, but he bought the team. Then he bought the stadium. And he put it all together at a, at a lot less cost than what um, what the people who uh, built the stadium in the first in the first place. With respect to um, is there enough money at the three levels of government? Uh, I, I think you you saw that the more recently that the federal government 
gave money to just about everybody that needed money um, during the virus um, to uh, people that had to close their doors, uh, people who had lost their jobs. But one group that didn't get any money is the Canadian Football League. They didn't want to give it to a sports team. And I doubt very much that in the future, um, politicians are going to give very, very much money to a to a, a sports team, especially for a new stadium. That's not done today. It's not even done in the States today. What, what they usually do is they um, get the um, government to uh, provide uh, the money at times, uh, but they charge um, and, uh, the teams with a higher rent uh, to pay off, the, pay off the debt of the stadium. So back in the day, it would have been folks like yourself, Bill Davis, Ted Rogers. So who on Rogers, on the Rogers side would be leading this? Would it be Joe Natale? Would it be Edward Rogers himself? What, what, what's your gut tell you there? I think that uh, my gut, if, if uh, Rogers got involved, it would have to be with Edward's approval, Joe's leadership, and probably um, Tony Staffieri, who's the CFO, to make sure the financial numbers all work, and to a guy by the name of Jordan Banks, who's um, uh, a former uh, CEO of uh, Facebook uh, Canada, one of the one more brilliant guys in the, in the business world today. Look, they've, they've got a dynamic team over there. Um, and I got to tell you, um, uh, Joe Natale is, uh, is a great uh, CEO. He, he knows the... Uh, the cell phone business uh, uh, from top to bottom. Uh, he understands sports and he's surrounded himself with people that are very, very smart. Okay. So let's pivot a little bit. Assume that they're going to try and do something down at the Portlands. Knowing what you know, having, you know, having been in the Blue Jays while they were owned by Rogers. First part of the question. Is there any chance that Rogers would ever go under the MLSC umbrella? Or the Blue Jays? Well, the Rogers are under the MLC umbrella now. Don't forget, the MLC umbrella has got uh, three partners. Uh, one of them is Larry Tenenbaum, who owns 25% and does the speaking for the MLSC. And the other two are Rogers and Bell. This was sort of a, a deal that was put together I suspect by uh, Dale Lastman, uh, one of the top advisors to, um, uh, to Larry Tenenbaum, uh, I think that uh, Rogers didn't want Bell to own it fully and Bell didn't want Rogers to own it fully. So somehow um, reality became of uh, two major guys that didn't like each other somehow getting along and making something work. MLSE, I've always been surprised that uh, the Blue Jays weren't folded into the into that partnership. Why? Because uh, usually you can sell tickets um, uh, by if the, if the lease of a hot team, for instance, and you want to buy a Leaf ticket, you may be asked to buy a Raptor ticket and a Blue Jay ticket or one or the other. And it's, it's unusual that all three teams are uh, going into their finals, whether it's the NBA finals, the Stanley Cup finals, or the World Series all at the same time. So uh, that's the, the ideal partnership, but for whatever reason, um, 
Uh, Ted Rogers wanted the team bought from Labatt's and uh, I was very much involved with a guy by the name of Albert Natt, a good friend of Ted's who unfortunately has passed away some years ago. Uh, we were able to buy the team um, and put it under the Rogers umbrella. Right. So the question is, would Rogers ever sell half of the Blue Jays basically to the rest of MLS to, to Bell? Right. I mean, that's the that's the question. Well, you know what? You're in bed with them. With with uh, MLSC is uh, is a bigger ownership group than um, uh, than Ro- than the Blue Jays by themselves. Even with the blue uh, with the the Blue Jays and the Sky Dome, I would imagine that the the whole thing is worth about 1.5 billion dollars today. But the the Raptors, the lease, the Air Canada said, or the the uh, Scotiabank Arena uh, now, and all the um, fringes around the with the restaurants and the uh, and the uh, stores that sell all the French uh, the goods of shirts and hats and sweaters uh, is worth even probably twice as much as that right but would what would Rogers be willing to give up market exclusive exclusivity for baseball to its main competitor well obviously right now they haven't done it so to, that, uh, and I don't, I don't know. Uh, I've left Rogers uh, as an employee uh, back in 19, um, uh, to actually 2000, 2000, the end of the 2008. Um, I'm sure uh, people that are smarter than me that asked that question so far that hasn't happened. So my, my answer right now would be, no, it probably won't happen. But you think based on the numbers and based on what you know. I mean, as somebody who operated the Blue Jays, the fact that they roll up under Rogers corporate numbers, does that make it more difficult from a dollars and cents and budgeting perspective as opposed to the Leafs and Raptors because they're all part of a, a private company called MLSE? No, I don't think it, it, uh, it really matters. I think that the, uh, the, the Blue Jays as standing by themselves, I believe they do not make money. Uh, whereas I think that the others make money. Why do the Blue Jays not make money? First of all, uh, they have to pay all their salaries in U.S. dollars. They, um, um, they do in the other sports as well, but the uh, value of tickets in Canadian funds is not nearly as big as the value of tickets in basketball or uh, or hockey, and I think the sponsorship packages are much different as well. So um, during during my stay as president of the Blue Jays, I think we got close to break even one one year. You got to be able to make the playoffs on a regular basis, um, and you got to fill that that stadium. Whereas the hockey stadiums, uh, hockey arenas, the basketball arenas, you can fill at a much higher price. You know the best seat, the best seat in uh, basketball for a Raptor game, and I was a guest of a few people. Um, if you sit courtside, it's fifteen hundred dollars a ticket. At that, and, and it does. There's not too many empty seats. Uh, the biggest uh, ticket price in in baseball uh, would probably be in the neighborhood of two hundred and twenty-five for a seat close to the field. So, <clears throat> so if I'm hearing you right you're agreeing that the likelihood of ripping down Skydome and putting a new baseball only facility there, as was the, the case 
in the in the Globe and Mail the other day is is unlikely. You agree with that? Well, I would I would say it's unlikely in the near future. Could it be more likely later on? Um, it would take a lot of planning, a lot of uh, public input, uh, a lot of uh, questionings of, of of who's paying for it and yeah uh, and things like that. Um, there's no doubt that there are people that want to see grass on the field instead of turf. There's a lot of people who would prefer to play outdoors. And you know what? I think that uh, figment of their imagination would change if they had to sit out uh, mm -hmm. in weather, in weather like uh, early April or late October when they're playing in the playoffs. It would change dramatically. So it's not, my question is, is like, if I said to you, which do you think is more likely in the next 10 years, we'll have a new stadium down in the Portlands or the dome will have been imploded in a new baseball stadium at the site of the dome. I think what I hear you're saying is it's more likely, although not easy, it's more likely to build a new stadium elsewhere than on, on that location. Um, I think that location uh, may, may work if you got all the approvals, but I think uh, if you're going to build a new stadium, there's probably would have to be in the downtown core, somewhere in the downtown core. Um, uh, once you start taking it away from downtown, you lose uh, all the uh, hotel spaces, you lose all the people who have built uh, restaurants and places of entertainment. Uh, ideally, it's got to be downtown. All right, well, let, let's pivot for one second. Take, take a deep breath and let me pay a bill here. It's that time of year where there's lots of work to be done around the house. You probably have to put some patio furniture away, clean the barbecue. I hear there's snow coming to Toronto, so you may even need to put some salt or some, uh, some sand down. You should head to uh, my friends at Jiffy, Jiffy On Demand. Download the Jiffy app or go to jiffyondemand.com. Use the code SAVE. That's S-A-V-E for $25 off your first job. You've heard me say it a million times. When I lived in the GTA, I used them all the time. You are going to love using the Jiffy app and the Jiffy team. It's fast, it's reliable, and it's home maintenance for less. So let's let's pivot to the media world right now. What, why do you think that story appeared Friday? Like it's a very unusual time for that story to be on the front page of, of a national newspaper like the Globe and Mail. Um, look, the story hasn't been told. Uh, I know that the... Um even the uh, head of communications for Rogers uh, admitted that uh, they were looking at things. It was no secret. Uh, they spoke at City Hall. Somebody obviously leaked it to the Globe and Mail and say, hey, nobody's, nobody's done this. Um, the first time I heard, heard about it, and I was asked about it, and I was asked about it because of the complications with respect to the ownership of the land. But uh, they asked me not to uh, go public with it because they knew I worked for... Uh, a large newspaper chain. I gave them my pledge, and I didn't. Uh, uh, I didn't break that because when you give your word, you stick to it. But it's an interesting story. At a when you um, when the only topic of news is about the uh, the virus, and it's been the topic of news most of this year. Um, so uh, the guy that wrote it uh, goes around and he looks for something different to write about, and. Everybody else picked up the story. The story was in the National Post. The story was in the Sun. Uh, it was in the it was in the Star, and it was on a lot of media. I know that Sportsnet Radio uh, uh, called me and uh, uh, asked me similar questions to what you're asking me. 
So it, you know, it did break the, uh, the monotony of just uh, that one major story. But you'll see this thing will evaporate very slowly uh, over a period of time. Um, there's there's um, probably going to be other other things that will break, which will even be bigger stories as weeks and months go by, especially if you get back to some normalcy after the vaccine's in place. Do you think, well, we came back, so let's let's stay here for one second. Hypothetically speaking, if they built a stadium down by the water that was baseball only, and let's assume they, they do like they have here in Seattle, there's a, a retractable roof on it and has natural grass. Is it possible that what is now Rogers Center became a future home for a, a hypothetical NFL team? Well, I got to tell you, I have very few things left on my bucket list. <laughs> and and um, I... Um, Went last time I went to see Roger Goodell, I told him that and he started to laugh. He says, I know what's in your bucket list. It's an NFL team for Toronto. And um, I really believe that um, uh, that you would have to build probably a stadium for NFL football. You will right now you you don't you won't get any marks from the NFL unless it's it's done that way. And you, the way you would do it is, again, no government money. Uh, maybe uh, they would donate some land if there was things you could build and create around it. You would um, license all the seats or condominiumize all the seats. And uh, you would charge business uh, maybe thirty or $40,000 um, a seat um, to be built, uh, to be paid for then you own the seat and you have to buy the tickets afterwards. You'd have to raise the money. And, you, and uh, the Carolina stadium was built that way. And some of the other new stadiums in the NFL were built that way. Um, look, I've, I've always said that uh, the one city in North America that should be in the NFL is Toronto. Uh, they've proven in the past, they're a great sports city all around. And I think that um, it's only a matter of time uh, when, when a city has to has to move, um, I'm not going to go public at all at this point in time and tell you what uh, I'm doing or what other people are doing. Um, I think that there's um, a great uh, desire, there's a great demand for NFL football in in, in Toronto. Unfortunately, the CFL um, uh, has didn't exist last year. I feel bad about that. I think the CFL could be um, an affiliate league. Um, I know people don't like to use the word farm system, uh, but um, in all reality, uh, Toronto should be in the NFL. Um, if you were to start that league all over again, forget borders, Canadian and American borders, I would say Toronto would be the probably the fifth city to be selected to go into a reconstructed National Football League team. Maybe not as quick as New York, maybe not as quick as LA, maybe not as quick as a couple of other lo locations, but Toronto's got to be near the top. Well, certainly interesting food for thought. Let, let's go back to media for a second, because that's where you spend a, a bulk of your time. Um, the not, you know, the, the, the business has obviously changed from the early days at the Toronto Sun, um, south of the border, uh, and in Canada, it's been a bit of a bloodbath with papers closing and, and jobs being thrown overboard. Um, digital ads never materialized into what people thought they were. 
but we're finally starting to see major publications get traction vis-a-vis subscriptions, paywalls. Um, the New York Times is, is, you know, they may not like Trump, but they certainly like what Trump did for their business. Um, do you think that's going to take hold in Canada as well? Well, I'll tell you, um, the digital is worked. What, what we've lost in print and what's gone to digital has worked, but it's only worked for Google and Facebook and, no, and nobody else. And what you're seeing right now is many newspapers in Canada and the United States uh, going down in value because they don't get a share. In Canada, it's very straight. And, and, and uh, the problems are this. Google and Facebook produce very few jobs in Canada. They take our content. They use it in their digital space. They don't pay any money for it. The governments to date have made a lot of promises about help, but they've not come forward. But the world is changing. In the European Union, Google especially is facing an attack by the uh, European Union, the Australia as a, as a country are now beginning to force um, Google and Facebook to pay taxes in the country. And Canada is looking at that possibility too. They've changed the rules in, in France. They've truly changed the rules in the UK. There's even talk of Google and Facebook even being broken up into small pieces because what they do they come into a country like Canada. Uh, they take our content, they, the governments of Canada. And this is not an attack on the existing government. It's an attack on whoever is in power, that they've allowed the, uh, them to come in. They don't pay taxes. They don't create jobs. And the existing demo democracy is shattered because we can't cover the news the way we used to because we don't get the revenues from advertising when, it, when it's gone from print to digital, Google and Facebook get over 80% of all the revenue and they pay zero taxes. So when you, when you, as a newspaper veteran, when you look at a model like The Athletic and what they've become, um, nobody knows actually what their success is, but when you look at that, what do you think? Well, I think their readership is great and i and again we don't know how much money they make um because they're in many ways competing with google and facebook as well i know they have attracted some great uh sports broadcasters and journalists on there and they break a lot of stories but until they release their numbers about profitability I don't think they're anywhere close to competing with Google and Facebook at this point in time. Do I like The Athletic? I think it's tremendous, but it's a niche business for sports and they may make some money on it. But the behemoths are the, what they call the FAN group, F-A-A-N-G, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. And they're the ones that are making the money. There's only room for one athletic if, if, if they are profitable. And I take my hat off to them. They're, they're, they're terrific. 
they are basically what Sports Illustrated was years back. We broke a lot of great sports stories. Even the great Sports Illustrated and are not what it used to be. It's almost a non-player these days. And newspapers are closing everywhere. We're reducing our cost base by cutting staffers everywhere. And therefore, our product isn't as good as it used to be. Nobody's product is as good. The uh, mighty Toronto Star, um, who was worth probably maybe a couple of billion dollars years ago, sold their asset for $62 million. Now, $62 million, a lot of people think that's a lot of money. But when you compare it to maybe a billion and a half to $2 billion, the owners walked out with their pockets bare. So, I mean, it seems to me that at least the Toronto Sun, from a sports perspective, still is churning out volume and quality. There, um, well, there's no doubt that the Toronto Sun, um, when Doug Creighton started the Sun back in 1971, he basically said, this is going to be a paper about Toronto. We're going to be big on crime and cover the city from a crime point of view very big on sports. We were going to have short, punchy stories that the, pe the people could read. And we were going to be racy. We're going to have a, a girl on page three every day, which a lot of the feminist groups attack. And the Toronto Sun made a profit from day one, from the first day. They still make money today, but it's minimal compared to the way it used to be back in the year 1995, 96. Well, it's uh, always fascinating to talk to you. As I said, it, it's, you know, almost 30 years ago, you toured me through the then Skydome before it opened. Uh, obviously interesting times. I find it hard to believe they're going to blow that thing up and put a new stadium there. I think it's much more likely that one goes elsewhere and I don't know what they do with that stadium. Um, but it's certainly going to be interesting to watch, and I hope I can check in with you from time to time as we get closer as, as things evolve over time. I'd be honored to speak to you at any time. Uh, we miss you in Toronto, and uh, I'll give my best regards to your family and uh, keep up your good work and uh, see if you can straighten out Seattle. If you can do that, we'll <laughs> run you for mayor in Toronto. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Take care. Take care. Thank you. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.